Will you pray with me for just a moment? Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Well, good morning again. Um, So one of my, many of you know, I just returned from sabbatical a few weeks ago. One of my uh, small goals, maybe a small goal, was to, um, when preachers get together, one of the ways we talk shop is we talk about how you, what notes you use when you're preaching a sermon. Do you use a manuscript? Every word's written. Do you use bullet points? Or there's those bold souls that say, you know, I don't use any notes. Um, and I wanted to get to the place where I could be present to you while I'm preaching. Um, sometimes, to use a bad illustration, um, using notes is sort of like that dream you have when you're young, when you go to school and you forget to get dressed beforehand, right? The, the notes are like those clothes <laughs> to kind of protect you, right? And so it's not a bad thing to use them, and I'll probably use them again. But I want to try not using them, and it's not because I haven't prepared. I also want to tell you that. <laughs> now, if, if, I, if at some point that I just say amen and sit down, you'll know that the experiment has failed completely. <laughs> um, but anyway, if you'll, if you'll be gracious with me, and we'll, we'll see how this goes. And you, you could also just be praying for me throughout the sermon. That would be great, too. Um, So I I want us to talk from this phrase in Romans um, that Paul uses. Note then both the kindness and the severity of God. Wow, that's a strong phrase, isn't it? Um, How is it that God can be both kind and severe at the same time? Many of us have grown up with images of God that are one or the other of those. Um, I I think when I talk to people, what I gather is that most people grew up with an image of God that was on the severe side. And they've been trying to relearn what it means that God is very kind. But I also talk to people sometimes who are trying to really get rid of any sense of that God can be severe at all, that he is only kind. And what I'd like to talk with you about this morning with us is that God's kindness and his severity are both gifts to us. How how can that be the case? Here's why they're both gifts. The greatest enemy of the spiritual life is pride. It's presuming on God that you somehow are a gift to God himself. Uh, And what we see in our passages this morning is that there were people who began to presume on God's kindness. They began to think that they had earned their way to God. And God's severity is to eliminate any pride in their lives. That's what our passages are driving at this morning. So Psalm 67, if you have your worship guide, it begins on this theme 
of us, all of us, needing God's mercy. So here, verse 1, may God be merciful unto us and bless us and show us the light of his countenance and be merciful unto us. Let your way be upon, known upon earth, your saving health among all nations. What's happening here, this is a prayer of Israel. Israel was chosen by God to be a recipient of his love and his mercy so that they could be a blessing to the world. It's very easy for us today to think that God chose Israel in the Old Testament to the exclusion of other people. That, that's not it at all. God chose Israel so that they would be a recipient of his love and mercy and they would show that love and mercy to the world. And they would draw other people in. And this is what Isaiah is saying too. He presents this incredible vision of what it would be like when these promises are realized. He says, my house shall be a house of prayer for all nations. Right? It would be a house that welcomes in the most forgotten of all the people, the eunuch, the one who would have no offspring. He would be completely forgotten from the earth. But God says, actually, you won't be forgotten in my house. I will place a monument in my house to your name forever. God's house was to be a house of prayer, not just for Israel, but for all the world. Well, then we get to our gospel reading. In this gospel reading, we have words from Jesus that are startling and difficult, right? But I want to set this passage up for us in light of what we've just heard in the Old Testament. You see, Jesus, right before this moment, we're told in this passage that Jesus is leaving one area and he's going to another area. I remember, you know, I grew up in Louisiana and I had never been across the Mason-Dixon line until I was like 27. <laughs> and that felt like a really big deal at that time. Jesus is traveling and it's, it's a symbolic kind of move. Jesus is leaving the nation of Israel and he's traveling into Gentile territory. You see, what's happened is that Jesus has just had a major conflict with the religious leaders of Israel. And he actually used some very strong words with them. This is in Matthew chapter 15, starting in verse 8. He says, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. The religious leaders have set up so many other rules around God's law. And they've done this to keep other people out. And to keep themselves in this prized place. As if they have earned the right to exclude others from God's mercy. You see, they're no longer making God's house into a house of prayer for all nations. Instead, they're turning it into just their house. And Jesus in this moment is expressing the severity of God. You no longer honor me with your heart. Your heart is far from me. And so Jesus is leaving the nation of Israel. 
and going into Gentile territory. That's where we are in chapter 15 in the passage that Travis just read for us. Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. A Canaanite woman is the, the epitome of the enemy of God's people. Right? But somehow, she is coming and she's crying out to the Messiah of Israel that he is her king. Now, I want to say something on behalf of this woman. This is the most politically incorrect thing that a Canaanite woman could ever say. Everything that she has grown up with would say that this is wrong. All her life she has been taught to pray against the nation of Israel. Yet all the idols of her land have failed to help her. So this woman comes humbly crying out to the Savior of Israel. Have mercy on me, O Lord. Now remember, this was the prayer of Israel in Psalm 67. Have mercy on us, O Lord. They've forgotten how to pray that prayer. And so God says, your heart is far from me. But a Canaanite woman comes and she knows how to pray this prayer. Have mercy on me, O Lord, O son of David. And she tells Jesus, my daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. Now, verse 23 is when the other surprises come in. But he did not answer her a word. Now, I, I want to say something here about the life of prayer. If you live the life of faith long enough, you will have moments in your life when you will pray and that you will sense this very thing. That it is as if God is not saying a word. That he is completely silent. What do you do in those moments when it feels like God is completely silent? You might think this is the severity of God towards you. I want to encourage you to do what this woman does and do not stop asking. Do not stop pleading with God. You see, your persistence in moments like this is a sign of your humility. This woman knows the only hope on earth that she has is Jesus. And so she doesn't stop asking. And I want to suggest to you that it's the same is true for us. The only hope we have in life and in death is the Lord Jesus. So we should never stop pleading on behalf of our needs before the Lord Jesus. This woman, she pleads so much that she becomes annoying to the disciples. And so the disciples came and they begged Jesus saying, send her away for she is crying out after us. Now, I, I, 
in this moment, it's not actually clear what the disciples are saying to Jesus, whether they're saying, just get her away from us, or whether they're saying, do whatever it takes so that she'll stop screaming. The fact, the way that Jesus responds, when he, he, Jesus responds to them saying, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. In other words, the disciples are asking him, take care of her. I think that's what they're asking him to do. And he says, I am sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I cannot take care of her first. I'm sent to them first. So this, in a sense, if we're reading the number of requests... The woman has asked Jesus to heal his, her daughter. Jesus has been silent. The disciples now ask him, do something. Jesus says, I'm sent to Israel first. That's, it, that's two strikes. That's two strikes. The next verse, verse 25. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. This, this posture of kneeling, usually when, when it's used in the Bible, it's talking about worship. She kneels before Jesus in the posture of worship and says, please help me. And Jesus answered, and these are the words that we probably wish Jesus had not said. Right? It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Now, I wish I could tell you that there's a translation error here. I can't tell you that. Jesus came, and this is very clear, Jesus came to save the people of Israel so that they would again do what they were made to do and become a light to the world. And this is what Paul is saying in Romans chapter 11. God has not abandoned his people of Israel forever. He has invited us in as the Gentiles but we didn't have first priority. God's priority was Israel. Notice how the woman responds. This is amazing, and this is why Jesus is so impressed with her. She doesn't disagree with him. She says in verse 27, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. I love what one person says about this woman. This woman is basically saying, I am happy to be one of your little dogs if I can eat from your table. I wonder if we have that kind of humility in our lives where we're willing to say that we are even little dogs in the presence of God. And that the crumbs that fall from his table are better than any meal that we could get anywhere else. That's what the woman is saying. Jesus, your crumbs are enough for me. The crumbs from your table will be enough to satisfy me. That's the humility of this woman. And Jesus answers her, O oh woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. Another way of saying these words is, thy will be done. Isn't that remarkable? The words that we're supposed to say to God, Jesus says to this woman in this moment, because of the humility of her faith, 
your will be done. And her daughter was healed instantly. It's a remarkable story. What I would want to challenge all of us in is are you living in both the kindness of God that he wants to show his love and his mercy in your life. He wants you to continue offering your prayers to him, but also the severity of God. If you become like the children of Israel, if you forget how to pray, Lord, be merciful to me. The only hope that I have in life and in death is your mercy. Well, if you forget how to pray that prayer, God will only be to you as a severe judge. And the reason is because of his love, because pride is the great enemy of spiritual life with God. Do you have pride in your life? Or are you turning from your pride and toward his mercy? And the other challenge I would offer to you, are you being humble and persistent in your prayers? Humble and persistent. Some of the most humble and persistent people in prayer that I've ever seen are mothers. It's amazing to see mothers who will never stop praying. There's this great story that I've shared with some of you in the past about the mother of St. Augustine. St. Augustine had wandered in his life away from faith into his 30s. And his mother went to a bishop in tears, asking him to go talk to her son. And the bishop was, was telling her, I'm, you have to be patient. He's not going to listen to me. I can't fix this. And she just kept pleading and crying, pleading with him. And the bishop's response to her was, God will not let the prayers of those tears go unanswered. I want to challenge you. Do not give up in your prayers. Continue to humble yourself. Bow before the mercy of God. Relinquish all pride in your life. And trust that the Lord is hearing your prayers. And he will answer them. Are you walking in the kindness and the severity of God? Amen.